I'm going to share about uh, the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, I had, Mel was saying we really wanted to preach on Noah, Noah's Ark, because we don't talk about Noah's Ark in big church very much. And, <laughs> but, and I tried and I tried, but God was, just kept pulling me this direction, so another time. Um, and, but the Tower of Babel we don't talk about too much in big church either. And one of the things that we... Uh, and I think with these uh, Genesis stories, because they're so iconic, and especially for those of us who might have grown up in church, and we had the, these sort of stories taught to us, we had you know the creation story, we had the flood, Noah's Ark, we had the Tower of Babel, we had these different stories, and they were in, um, they're almost like uh, in a single setting. It's almost like there's one story, an isolated story, but uh, this, an interesting way of understanding the Bible is, is, is it all has to be in context, and the text outside of the context, if you take the text out of a context, all you're left with a con. And, and what that means is you're going to end up with a wrong idea. You're going to end up with a wrong understanding. And it's very easily for what the Bible's trying to teach us to bring across the wrong message because we've not put it in context. And so all of these stories, you've got to understand the whole point of them being documented and passed through to us. Who knows? A lot of other cool stuff happened through the history of the Jewish nation. A lot of other cool stuff happened through the history of the earth that's not recorded in the Bible. So much cool stuff, uh, but it's not in the Bible. And the reason that it's not in the Bible is because it's not relevant to our salvation experience today. It's not relevant to our eternal journey. Not to say it's not valuable, not to say it doesn't have a purpose, it can't increase our faith, all these sorts of things, but it's not essential to our faith. It's not essential to our journey. But if it is in the canon, it is. And if it is in the canon, we have to understand that God is trying to tell us something through it. So what I want to do this morning is try and pull out what is God trying to show us through the story that a lot of us learned in junior church, back when we used to call it junior church, uh, in the, sta- the story of the, uh, we called it the Tower of Babel back then, and apparently that's not right. It's Babel, which is probably not right either. <laughs> But I'm going to read the story of the Tower of Babel and we'll take it from there. Genesis chapter 11 verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone for tar and mortar. We're all excited about the iPhone and things like that. Imagine when the first brick came out, like, ooh, what's this, a rectangular building object? This is fantastic. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make it, may make, our name for, make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. That is one of the greatest keys in Scripture, but it is not the lesson for today. If one people speaking one language unite, nothing is impossible. That's a, we'll save that for a leadership meeting maybe, or for a vision Sunday. So the Lord scattered them over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called the Tower of Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And just reinforcing what I was saying before, Romans 15, 4 says this. It says, for everything that was written in the past, speaking about the Old Testament, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement 
um, they provide, we might have hope. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So this story was written to teach us. So in a nutshell, there's a story of people and they're building a city and God wrecked it. Like there's, a, there's some wrong messages that we could get from this. There's, there's some wrong messages. God doesn't want us having nice things. That's one of the takeaways that people sort of take from this. God is prideful to try and do something substantial. Uh, that's another takeaway I've heard talk from this story. Um, and, but God's objection to this city was not that he doesn't want his people succeeding. It wasn't that he doesn't want his people doing well. It's not that he doesn't want his people uniting for a common goal to do amazing things. What this, is, this was his objection. Was their reason. Was the reason for this city. The reason for this city. What, what was the reason? Let us make a city a name for ourselves. Otherwise, this is so we're getting to their reasoning here, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Their reason for building this city was so they weren't dispersed. So they weren't dispersed. Now, this is really confronting if we personalize it. Do you want your family dispersed? Do you want... It's natural. It's normal. As a church, would we want our friends dispersed? Would we want our support network dispersed? They're saying here, their reason for building this city is they didn't want to be dispersed. God had a problem with that because we get right back to his, what Mel taught us, he said to Adam, was this, Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea. And goes on to Noah, he said the same thing, as long as the earth endures, uh, then goes down, God blessed Noah and his son saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And then his last command to Noah was this, as for you, you know when he's saying, as for you, like when you're busting your kids, you, you and as for you, this is, you got to understand the tone when God is speaking to Noah here, as for you, be fruitful and increase and in number and multiply on the earth and increase upon it. <laughs> this is the instruction God said. God said, I want you to have dominion over the earth. I want you to spread out and have dominion over the earth. And then these people have just said no. They've said no. We want to consolidate. We want to pool our resources. And we're going to have a happy little me and mine. That's what he said. God didn't like it. Why didn't God like it? Because that's not what they were designed for. Do you know, if you're using something apart from the way it was designed to be used, do you know what that's called? Abnormal use, abuse. It's abuse. If something is designed to, for a specific task, for a specific reason, and it is misused, it is called abuse. These people were abusing themselves. 
by not following the instructions of God. And, and, and as we move into the New Testament, Jesus put it like this. In uh, Mark's gospel, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew's gospel, he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So what we're seeing is that the same command that God gave Adam, the same command that God gave Noah, Jesus gave to the church, fill the earth, subdue it. It's not talking about a dominating subjection. It's talking about putting it under God's rule, letting God's rule. His, uh, Jesus put us, used these words, the kingdom, God's the king's dominion. And so what he's done is the same thing that God said to the patriarchs, he said to the church, and which puts us in the same boat. So as Christians... It's really easy for us to get, we get born again, we experience that forgiveness, that peace. God starts to do that work in us and we get freedom from our addictions, we get freedom from our fears, we get freedoms from those things that would slow our lives down or cause us unhappiness and pain and then we just want to stay insular. We want to stay insular, we want to have our me and my four walls and no more, me and my four and no more and we get this thing where it's just nice and cosy and we've got our little club and we're in this place where, <laughs> don't, don't feel bad, it's, it's not just you. I'll show you the first church. You know, we often go on about, and my prayer is that this church would be a church of like the book of Acts. And, but let me just tell you about how the book of Acts church. Remember what was Jesus' instruction was, Go into all of the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of nations. Then we, in Acts chapter 7, we, chapter 6 rather, we, it's been years, it's been years. From, from just off the top of my head, I think it's been seven years since Jesus said go. And this is where the church is at. Remember it started in Jerusalem? Now the church is still, it's in Jerusalem. It's expanded all the way to Jerusalem from Jerusalem. In those days, the number of Jesus' followers kept multiplying greatly. They had a great church. They had a really good church. Imagine the worship service, the miracles were crazy, the worship would have been nuts, there were just big crowds, all this awesome. <sighs> Think God was happy? Because he didn't say, go and have this awesome collection, this safe environment where you get to... And, and, let's, and I'm not, for one second, putting my finger at a big church because some people go to a big church because it's safe for them. They can just walk in, walk out. Some people come to a small church because it's safe. They know everybody. There's no... And they're in control. They're all different people just walking with their own inadequacies because of our area of safe and me and mine and our definition of what's safe and good for me. So I'm not for one second accusing the church of, of that's irresponsible for them to grow large there. What I'm saying was irresponsible for them to stay insular, to not go. So what God did is he 
got everybody upset with them. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. <laughs> Jesus said, preaching the gospel in, all, in, in Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts. Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the outermost parts. So even with this persecution, they didn't even go to the outermost parts. They just moved to Samaria. They've, but they've spread a little bit. Oh, well, it's progress. Progress is better than nothing. Like, let's not, per- you know, if you're going to be making slow progress, you're still making progress. Let's celebrate victories. But what's happened is, is they've experienced persecution. God's allowed persecution to scatter them. That word scatter is the exact same word used throughout the New Testament when it's talking about a farmer scattering seed. It's the exact same word. And it, it, so we, we, these guys, they've got this awesome environment where they're building this amazing monument, if you like, to Christianity. They're celebrating God. They're celebrating Jesus. They're just not doing it the way he said to do it. So we're in this place where it's like, okay... We are being treated the exact same way as the people in the Tower of Babel, in in the city of Babylon. And God treated the church the same way he treated this rebellious city. And they were scattered. And then we, okay, cool, but what does the scripture say? It says that all things were written down to teach us. It's like, okay, God, well, I don't think I'm building a monument. Well... But are you trying to stay safe? Are you trying to stay safe? What does staying safe look like? This is what it looks like to me. Enough money in the bank that I don't have to stress. My family in a nice, neat little box that I don't have to worry about them. Nice street. Come in when the street lights come on. Internet filters insurance smoke alarms (laughs) having problems with our smoke alarm at home all these things where it's just where we create this environment for is that wrong no no it's not wrong but if that's where it stops it's wrong if that's where it stops it's wrong why because god said go into the world and have dominion not to create a safe environment where we can try to consolidate what we've got and stop what happens to an organization to a community that does that God will scatter you. Sometimes we've got pressure on our lives and we're like, God, what is going on here? And God is saying, you got comfortable and you held it as an idol. You did not want to step out. You thought you'd gone far enough and you said, this will do. This will do. One of the things I've been just amazingly encouraged about is uh, Pastor Malcolm has, over the last, I've known him for the last sort of 17 years, coming on 20 years, somewhere in that bracket but i've watched him with adult and teen challenge where i'm just like i'm just wondering why don't you just stop it's pretty good why do you need to build more why do you need to do more why do you just pretty good just stop but there's this thing in him it won't and it's always like no let's improve it let's reach further let's make make uh, and just this this need this burning thing where it has to be expanding 
It has to be concrete. It has to be reaching more people. It has to be opening other doors. It's just, and, and, and I've sat back and, and just watched and just thought, okay, I don't understand, but I've watched God bless it. I've just watched God, as, as Pastor Malcolm's taken the crazy steps, I'm talking like million-dollar faith steps, multi-million-dollar faith steps, and God's just blessed it. And then and just different things, and God will just bless it. I'm like, whoa. Why is that? It says because, then we get right back to the start, Genesis chapter 1. That's where he spoke to Adam. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea. God put a blessing on mankind to take dominion. God put a blessing on mankind to expand, to grow, to take ground for his glory. That blessing is a supernatural fuel. It's a pipeline to heaven. It's where faith meets tactile resource. It's where faith meets tactile healing. It's where faith, the invisible, becomes visible. So this is the Old Testament, and we move into the New Testament, where Jesus has given the church an instruction. You and me are the church. You and me are the bride of Christ. Guys, you make gorgeous brides. I'm just glad Mel didn't have this stubble when I married her. <laughs> just, so, some of us wouldn't make, some of us, we're, we're spiritual brides and it stops there. Wouldn't make very good physical brides. And I think we're totally okay with that. <laughs> what it is, is, is Jesus has then gone and said to the church, the same thing as God said to Adam, the same thing that God said to um, Noah, and the same thing as we're going to learn next week that God says to Abraham, it says, I've blessed you to increase. And Jesus has said that to the church, but then it gets cool. Like if you've felt a little bit discouraged already by what I've said, a little bit sort of, oh, falling short, or oh, this, you know, touching on a few things, just don't stress. God will often pull us back to let us go. And th this is, we'll, we'll, I, want you to, I want you to see this. Jesus said that he, when he's called us into the church, he's called the church rather to into the world, and he's put the, remember the blessing went on, Noah, on Adam, the blessing went on Noah, blessing went on Abraham and then we're going to learn a lot, bit more about this next week God willing I say God willing because I plan to preach on Noah today so who knows really what's happening next week uh, but where it says is that we're heirs of the blessing of Abraham where, where this blessings come on us but then this is what it says in Galatians it says he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus that's what's the blessing the blessing is the fuel the blessing is the fuel of heaven the blessing's the hand of God on you to be able to execute what he's designed you to do. It says it's come on the Gentiles. But it goes on, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So if the blessing was fuel, the Holy Spirit is supercharged. 
we receive the Holy Spirit, we're supercharged. So the church has such an advantage over, crea- over, over the people that rebelled in creation. But, but, I'm going to read a story from, uh, uh, I'm going to read a, a story from when Jesus is telling a, a parable in Matthew 25. So you've got to remember, God wasn't happy with the people at Babel. But I'll tell you, he was a lot more unhappy with the church, the early church, because the people at Babel had been trusted with the blessing. The people of the early church had been trusted with the blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a lot more accountability on the church. Let me read. Matthew 25, 23. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So that's the way he treated somebody that had been given multiple resources, if you like, maybe the blessing and the Holy Spirit. This is how he deals. There's someone who's just been given one resource. The man who'd received one bag of gold, maybe that's just someone who's not under the new covenant. They're just walking in the blessing of being a human, the blessing that God put on humanity. Uh, the man who'd received one bag of gold, come, uh, master, he, uh, master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid, went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvested where I've not sown, gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should put your money, uh, put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would get it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. So whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this guy, his reason for building his tower his reason, because this guy didn't lose the money. He didn't lose the, what the master had given him. He consolidated. He held it tight. He consolidated. Put it in a safe environment. It didn't grow. It was just right there, safe. Zero faith required. That's all it is. It's zero faith required. And that's, that's the attitude of Babel. Zero faith required. And he's at this point where he... The master, but he says this, he says, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you went out, uh, where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went and hid your ground here, see, here's what belongs to you. The master said, so this guy's afraid, and the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So this guy says, I was afraid, because I had this perception of you, and the master clarified what this guy, in his mind, described as fear. His limitation in his mind was fear. I would love to step out in faith. I would love to preach the gospel to my neighbor. I'd love to invite my friend to church, but I'm afraid. The master here is saying, you wicked, lazy servant. No, I'm not wicked or lazy. I'm afraid. Well, it's like, you've been given the blessing. You've been given the Holy Spirit for a reason. You've been given the power. Like You, you, have, un, you have no idea how powerful you are. You have no idea. Galatians, the scripture we've read from the the book we read from earlier, goes on in three twenty. It says that you, according to the power that is God is within you, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond everything you could ask, hope, or imagine. According to the power that's in you, this power is in you. It can't. It's just mind blowing. What's in you, and where 
wanting to operate in a zero-faith environment where we stop and say, no, just here. So God's treating that person who has just got infinite power, infinite potential in them, and they're saying, I couldn't because I'm afraid. He's saying, well, your actual issue is, is you're wicked and you're lazy. What is wickedness? Wickedness is pride. It's actually uh, anti-faith is what wickedness is. It's, it's, it's anti-faith. Really boil it right down. It's just, don't want to have faith in God. Eve, the epitome of wickedness. I don't want to have faith in God. I want to have my own source. And we, And lazy. So it's like, to overcome your stuff takes work. To deal with your stuff takes work. You're afraid, get over it. Seriously, I'm not saying it lightly. I mean, get over it. It takes work. It takes work. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm someone who, I mean, I'm still dealing with insecurities. I'm still dealing with fears. I still have to push myself. I still have to make myself do things. So I was saying Mel's message challenged me so much last week. I still have to step out. All of these things. And I don't know if that ever, we win from there because God has called us to constantly take ground, which just means we've got to constantly move and we've got to constantly take these areas in us that we don't want to go past. And, and, and God's saying that we need to move past these limitations that are in our mind. And if we decide we're not going to move past those limitations that are in our mind, it's wicked and lazy. And what we'll do is we'll find ourselves creating a Tower of Babel where we don't want to be scattered. We don't want to take risk anymore. We don't want to go any further. He is fine. And God said, I called you to expand. I called you to grow. I called you to, to, to spread uh, the word of God. So what we find is if we're at a place where we've just decided to consolidate, do you know how kind and loving my God is? He's going to give you problems, man. <laughs> get ready to get scattered. Sometimes we wonder, what is going on? And God's like, yeah, you just decided that you'd gone far enough. I know in you is a lot more. And God's like, all right, I'm going to poke the bear. I'm just going to throw rocks at that beet hive. And then all of a sudden, stuff starts to go wrong. And what does it do? It forces us. It forces us to step into our potential. And this is where the frustration really kicks in. And I'll close here. Hopefully, it's not a pastor's close. We'll actually stop here. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, who has blessed. Remember, we've been given a blessing in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So that moves past the original blessing. It moves into the supernatural blessing, which we've been talking about. Has, you've got it already in you. You've got it in you. The resources are you're fully resourced inside. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption uh, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth. It says here, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. He's saying, you actually know. 
deep down, you know his will for your life. Deep down, you know. I, tell, I would say 90% of the people I meet couldn't tell you what it is. And I'd, my answer is, is, is actually they don't want to know. This is when they... When God's... This is the, 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 this is the dialogue that goes on. Nah, 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 nah. Because they don't want to know. They don't want to know. They want to have their tower. They want to succeed where they're comfortable and, and thrive in a way that's their choice without testing their limits, without stepping out in faith. But it says that God's already blessed you with everything you need and you know his will. It's in you. It's in this blessing is actually... So what... <laughs> now... Sometimes your life's fallen apart terribly. And this is deep satisfaction. I, I, I spend most of my time with guys and, and helping guys through their lives. And one of the things I know is these guys are just at this point of frustration in their lives. And they, they've got everything you could want. Married, home, work, just everything. <laughs> they're not happy people. And they're actually playing up in different areas of their life. frustration what is it why does God let me do this why is God not (laughs) because God's like I'm confusing this person I'm causing problems here until this person actually gets on board with my plan he says this holy this dissatisfaction is the confusion of Babel where God's actually saying yeah no I want you to get out of your safe space get out of your safe zone and step out for you, that I, I, don't, I can't tell you what that stepping out is. For some of you, it might be stepping out and taking a risk, giving financially. For some of you, it might be taking a risk and stepping out uh, and with your time or your energy and serving. For some of you, it's taking a risk with your pride and, and talking to your neighbour, inviting them to church or witnessing to them. For some of them, it might be forgiving a person. I, I can't tell you what your thing is, what God's saying to you but as pastor mel was saying last week first time obedience otherwise we're wasting time the plan keeps changing god will move it around because he's not going to let you go but you're wasting time and i just really starting to see the theme of what god's preaching to us through this book of generations of genesis rather and as he's got a plan for your life he has a plan for your life and i I'm here to tell you it's a good plan. And as you get on board with that plan, it's going to do amazing things in and through your life. I'm just going to ask every head to bow and every eye to close, and we're just going to pray a prayer. Now, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life before, and maybe you have and you're sort of coming back, you, you, know, you, need, you, you know you're not walking with God now, we're going to, as a church, we're going to pray together a simple prayer of commitment and just, you know, putting God first in our lives again. If that's you, just with every hand bowed and every eye closed, I just invite you just to slip your hand in the air just so I can see and I'll pray with you. We'll pray together. And if you're online, I would include you in this prayer. Put in the, a note in the comments, say, hey, that's me. If you're listening to this later on, put your hand up in the air. We're going to pray as a church. I just want everybody to repeat after me. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me. living life my own way 
from today forwards, I will walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to pray for us all as we, I just want this word to go down deep. Lord, I pray we would be a church who's not insular. I pray we would be people who aren't insular, Lord. Lord, we wouldn't be worried about being scattered, Lord. We would be interested in expanding the kingdom. We'd be interested in uh, your word going forward, Lord. We'd be interested in shining for your glory. Lord, as we say, I'm afraid, we bring our insecurities to you, God, and we say, we're going to deal with them. We let you into that place, that place of our fears, that place of our doubts, and we say, God, come in, come in. We don't want to rebel against you anymore in this area. Come in and do what only you can do, God. We're willing to do the work necessary. We're willing to persevere. Lord, we want to be able to return to you like the servant and, and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Cool. And we're just going to, um, let's just let that word wash over us and we're just going to spend a little bit of time in worship. And I just believe God's just, he wants to do more in us. If anyone wants prayer for anything in particular, healing in their body or if this message has really just touched them and they need some some prayer with that please come forward we'd love to pray with you face shine upon you be gracious to you. 
We just thank you for who you are, Father God. We thank you for your presence in the house, Lord God. We thank you for the word this morning that we've heard, Father, and that it would go down deep into our spirit, Lord God. And we just thank you for who you are. We give you all praise and we give you all glory, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.